Welcome to the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, where we have open and honest conversations about co-parenting, separation, divorce, and the hardest question of all, should you stay or should you go? I'm Kate Anthony, your Divorce Survival Guide, and I'm here to help you navigate some of the roughest waters you've ever swum in and answer some of your toughest questions. I've been to hell and back, and now it's my mission in life to help you get to the other side of this process with your sanity and your heart intact. Hey everyone, Darlene here again, Kate's podcast editor. I'm back once more to introduce this week's episode. Kate is still on a little of a self-care hiatus from the introduction recordings, but again, she has a new podcast interview to share with you this week. She is bringing to you her conversation with Jessica Frew. Jessica has a unique and loving divorce story, which she shares in this episode. She and her ex-husband, Steve, were married for just over a year when he came to terms with the fact that he was gay. They stayed married for another seven years. They were happily married, but there was a side of Steve that he needed to explore and be authentic to. When Jessica and Steve divorced, they discussed how they wanted their divorce to look for themselves and for their daughter. They've been able to stick to that plan ever since. Together, along with Jessica's husband and her ex-husband, the three share stories of love, marriage, coming out, infidelity, divorce, and co-parenting in their shared podcast called Podcast Husband-in-Law. Today, Jessica shares her story of divorce openly and authentically with Kate. So without further ado, here is Kate Anthony's conversation with Jessica Frew. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on and telling us your awesome story. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Okay. Speaking of your awesome story, why don't you give, I mean, I know that in the intro, I sort of explained things, but tell us in your own words, would you, (laughs) (laughs) about your uh, really unique and wonderful divorce situation? So I was married to my ex-husband for seven years. And about six months into that, I kind of discovered (laughs) and came to terms with the fact that he was gay. I found a bunch of gay pornography on our computer and I was like, okay, straight guys don't look at gay pornography. And at that point, he wasn't ready to acknowledge that. And so he came to terms with that, but we still stayed married for another seven years and had a wonderful marriage. But at some point he decided, I want to go live this side of my life. I want to go see what this is like. And I I was like, that's fine. I mean, I stayed married to a gay guy knowing this was a possibility. And so we divorced and he has lives an openly gay life now. And I am an active, I guess this is where it gets really interesting. I am an active member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So I am Mormon and as most people know us by. And so it creates this interesting dynamic that most people feel should not work, that we shouldn't be able to get along and support each other and love each other. And we have an amazing relationship that we have created since we got divorced and really worked hard at to keep, that we love and respect each other and we teach our daughter to love and respect each other and have really been able to come together to make a unique co-parenting situation that works really well for us. And you're remarried. 
And I'm remarried. Yes. <laughs> right. So I'm remarried. I have two stepkids and no, no ours children. We're not going to go that route, but yeah, so we've got that whole dynamic and we, we do have the almost opposite situation with my husband's ex, which is interesting because we get both sides of co-parenting. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Right. Cause your husband's ex is not so into the nuclear or non-nuclear, but the, the, uh, yes. togetherness factor of the yeah. family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've, we've tried to make that work and it's just not something she's open to. And so you rethink and change those boundaries and figure out what does work in any situation. Like she gets to say, right. I mean, and yeah. that's, that's something that we all have to, as we move into these complex family dynamics with remarriage and blending, not everyone's going to be on the same page. No. And I have my good friends, Ben and Nikki from mm-hmm. of our happy divorce, um, who have been on my podcast before, and Ben Heldfond and Nikki DiBartolo, and they are divorced, and they're both remarried, and their spouses are like 100% on board for this thing. And they go on like big family vacations together, their wife and the ex-wife are best friends, and like, like they got yeah. the whole thing going on, right? That's not always the way it is, no. right? And no. You know, my ex and I are good friends. I don't think his wife is as on board with it. It's like, you know, <laughs> we just navigate that as best we can. And, you know, the, the boundaries shift and change around that. But I think that's important to acknowledge. I think so too. Yeah. And I think some people, when they hear, oh, they've got this great relationship, that they automatically think that they should be able to make that happen as well. And I think that's something that we're trying to spread is like, this isn't for everybody. Like, yes, we have made this work and it is amazing. And if you can't make it work, I highly suggest it. Yep. But we also get that it does not work in every situation and you have to figure out what does to keep the peace for yourself, to keep your peace for your kids. It's going to be different for everybody. It is. And it's really important. You know, I'm so glad you said that because I know that I always have people that will say like, They'll compare their situation yes. with like, and they'll compare the beginning of their divorce with like where I am 11 years down the line, right? Yeah. And there is no comparison there. No. <laughs> mine was a probably somewhat of a shit show. Certainly it, like a full-blown shit show, like in the middle, like five years in, yeah. like probably boundaryless and fucked up in the first five years, right? Like you just, and it, we're constantly evolving. Like I got a text from my ex last night who was like, Hey, can we sit down and talk about our boundaries? And I was like, Oh, oh God, we're still doing this, but like, thank God. Right. But like, thank God yes. me and say, Hey, I'm feeling like we may need to have a conversation about this. And it, cause it's important. It's yeah. super important. Right. Yeah. I mean, the fact he can say that to you is huge. That's, that's a big deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah. you know, that's just a testament to like all of the personal development work that the both of us have, have done over the last yes. 25, 30 years that didn't work to save our marriage, but it's worked really well for our divorce. So awesome. one of the things that I love about your story so much is that I think a lot of women, I don't who knows, right? If like women who discover that their husband is gay, even before, like, even before he was willing to admit it. Right. Yeah. Like there might be a lot of resentment or anger or, and you, the love that you had 
for him to be like, because on the one hand, when you, when you find out your husband's gay, it's like, well, it's not about me. Like there's, there's like literally nothing you could do (laughs) right? in that situation. But you also created this space for him to, this really loving space for him to explore and you didn't make it wrong and you didn't feel threatened or maybe you did, but the ultimate where you've gotten to is that this sort of beautiful, loving act. Like, and I, right. And what I said to you, I think on the phone, we talked about this first is that like, it is such an act of love, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. it shows that you truly do love someone when you are willing to let them go. Such a cliche, right? And (laughs) like, I always say like, you really know who someone is when you try to break up with them because if you tell someone that you're not happy and their response is to get angry and like all of those things, I mean, really you want someone's response to be like, oh my God, I'm so sad, but I want you to be happy. Right. And that's what you did. So talk about, I'll shut up. You talk. Yeah. I mean, when Steve did come to the fact he was gay, it was very much a conversation of love and support of, okay, so what does this mean for you, Steve? Like, how do you show up in this space? Because you've been raised in this religion where it's not something that's out. Like people don't know how to respond to it. They don't know how to show up in a loving way a lot of the time. And I don't, I don't think that's religion. I think that's just the culture within that religion of people learning to understand that just because somebody is gay or somebody struggles with something doesn't mean you turn away from them. It, it should mean the opposite, that we, we draw them in closer, that we come closer to these people. And I knew it wasn't about me. I think so often we take on our partner's issues to make them their, our own. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to refocus and see how is this impacting this person and how brave are they for coming to me and telling me this, how much must they, they must trust me so much to be able to be open about this. And so I really tried to take it from that perspective of here's this man who's got to be scared to death. He's done what he thought he should. He's entered this marriage and he's being honest with me about it. And what more can I really ask for? Mm -hmm. And so that's really the approach I took of trying to see how he was feeling and how he must be hurting. And this was just like a year and a half into our marriage. And like I said, we were married for seven years. So we stayed married. We had a daughter five years into our marriage. So we just kept going until it just didn't feel right anymore. And he ended up having an affair and we dealt with all of that, but it was really a process for us to learn who we were within the marriage and kind of a safe place for both of us to explore that until he ultimately decided to leave. And then there was very much this rethinking of, okay, what does my life look like now? Nobody gets married planning to get divorced. I mean, maybe some people, but I've never heard of it. You don't get married if that's really the goal. So, you know, you have to rethink, okay, well, what does this look like for me now? How do I want this divorce to look like? Just kind of like you planned how you wanted your marriage to look like with some ideas and that's not going to go as planned, but you make a plan so that you kind of have an idea of where you're going. So I think that was this rethinking over and over again that you go through throughout life. And once you understand yourself enough to know how you need to show up for yourself, it makes all of that rethinking and reprocessing a little bit easier. Yeah. So tell me how the, cause 
you said you're still an act, you're an active member of yes. uh, the church. So how has that been? Because I know that, you know, homosexuality is not necessarily, you said the church isn't necessarily against it, but the, but it's more of the culture is against it. Like, let's talk about that a little bit. Cause that's, yeah. Talk about that. (laughs) 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 So I think that in lots of religions, it has been viewed that same gender, same gender attraction, same sex, whatever you want to call it, being gay. It's been very much frowned upon. Anything to do with the LBGTQ plus community has been shunned and, and people have been made to feel shameful because of the fact that they are the way they are. And I feel like a lot of times that has been directed from misled clergy or our own fears of how do we show up and deal with this? And while our church does not, like we do not allow gay marriage, like in our temples and things like that, but it's getting to where you're obviously not kicked out of the church for it. This is which before you were. Yeah. So I feel like there's been like this slow, gradual shift of people being more aware of the fact that if we, if we really believe what we believe, that we are going to be like Christ and we are here to love other people, then we should be loving other people. These people all should not be people. shamed. All huh? love people, right? All the people. <laughs> I mean, the thing that the thing that usually just like gets my goat about any any religion or clergy people using the words of Jesus to to not love, right? To oppress yes. or to shun other people. I'm like, you don't know, like, you don't know Jesus, right? Like that's just, it it blows my fucking mind. Like it literally blows my mind because that's literally not what he preached. No, I mean, and that's, that's the whole thing for me is, I mean, I grew up believing in love and believing that that is the ultimate goal in life is to learn to love people and accept people for who they are. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to judge them. I'm not here to say what is good and bad for them, but to love people and help them to feel loved and accepted and and to live a life that they find fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And I often, people are like, well, why'd you stay in this religion? Why'd you stay active in the LDS church? And I, I love my religion And I love the teachings of the gospel, but I also feel like if people like me don't stay, we can't help other people learn to love genuinely. Like we, we have to teach them that this isn't something you have to be scared of. This isn't something that's horrible. These are good people. And I feel like there needs to be a voice in there of people saying, listen, (laughs) this is how you can make it work. This is real. This is these people are beautiful, good people. Like there's no reason not to love them. And that's what we've been commanded to do. And I honestly feel that if you believe in God and a judgment and whatever, you will be judged for not loving just as much as everybody else will be judged for whatever mistakes we have. But I honestly believe in a more loving God than that, that (laughs) you're going to be loved and accepted because you were created this way for a reason. Mm. So yeah, it's kind of, there's a lot that goes into that, but that's kind of a general feeling of how I feel is that I do love this religion. I do have strong beliefs in my faith. And so I'm, I feel like I've been given those for a reason. And part of that is to stay and to help other people learn how to love better and love differently and to be more open to different lifestyles and all that goes into that. Yeah. Is there an active part 
of the church that you're involved in and engaged with in trying to sort of shift these narratives from the inside? Because I mean, I love that. I love what you said, right? Like if everybody who believes, who starts to question some of the doctrine or the it's not even right. It's not even the doctrine. It's the the manifestation of these, yeah. of these this sort of faulty, mm, not faulty, but like whatever beliefs. I feel like it's like the cultural beliefs within this, like the things that we've kind of held on to that people said stupid things long ago, and that we've still like grasped onto. And I'm like, okay, we need to let that go and move on. But yeah, if we all leave then who's there left to speak up for different people who pe- for people who aren't like us. Right. So exactly. And so how do you do that inside the church? Like, how do you actually do that speaking up? So, I mean, I am, <laughs> I am doing that here in this space with what we do and just trying to be an example of that in my everyday life and how I communicate and interact with people. I am not like actively like going to church leaders and things like that. I mean, people within my congregation definitely know where I stand. I am not afraid to say, hey, maybe like when something is said in a lesson or in a talk or whatever to kind of be like, hey, maybe we need to to think about this differently and change how we're viewing this. And, And even just by sharing my story and experiences, it starts people thinking in a different way of, oh, that just makes sense. And my... My ex, Steve comes to church with us sometimes. Like if my daughter's doing something at church or if I'm doing something at church, he comes to support us. And so I think people, I mean, they're used to seeing him. I think most of the people know he's gay. And so it's just this, like we live it. We live it. And therefore, I think that is the major impact that that we can have is just by being transparent and sharing who we are. So did <clears throat> So did Steve leave the church? Yeah, Steve has left the church. Yeah. And is that because of his homosexuality and how he felt like he was? He very much could not reconcile those two sides of himself. And so he felt like it had to be one or the other, Mm -hmm. which I understand and watched him grapple with for years. And so it's just, that's what he felt comfortable with. And so, yeah, that's where he is. Mm Mm-hmm. And how does he feel? I should, I mean, he's not here to talk to you about this. We decided that we decided that we were going to have the conversation. (laughs) Um, I'm curious how he feels like how, how, how he feels about you remaining and, and being such an active member. Yeah. So it's been interesting in having those conversations. I mean, cause we've had that conversation basically since we got divorced. Like, how does this look? How do we support each other within this? Because we're obviously living two very different lives. But what it came down to for both of us is that we fell in love for a reason. We brought this little girl into the world because we love each other and because we wanted to do that together. And now we need to continue that. We need to continue to love and support each other in these lifestyles. As long as the other one is healthy and happy and not putting our daughter in danger, then that's that's the main concern. And Steve told me from the beginning when I told him, I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay active in the church. I'm going to take our daughter to church so long as you're okay with that. And his take has always been, as long as it's something our daughter is happy about and excited to do, he's like, I will support her in anything she wants to do. Like, if that's what's making her happy, I support that. And he also said, <laughs> he told me very early on, he said, Jessica, I don't know many people that love and accept people the way you do. Mm -hmm. And I know that part of that is 
because of how you were raised in the church and how you view the gospel and how you show up in the gospel. And he's like, and I want our daughter to love and accept people the same way. And he's like, so I, I support that and will support that as long as it's the best thing and healthiest thing for us and our daughter. So that's where we're at. And we've taken it from there and we check in with each other fairly often (laughs) about how we're feeling about everything. Yeah. And that's so important. Right. And that's like, it's it's that ongoing check-in that on the one hand can be so just like exhausting. And also it's so important. Like we don't get to just check out if we're raising people, raising humans together, we just don't kind of get to check out of each other's lives. Yeah. I mean, I guess we, you can, right. Many people do and many people need to for things, right. Yeah. And also for the most part, it's a lot healthier if we don't, if we, if we're not, every decision you make affects this, this child and, and every decision he makes, right. It's like, we're, we're all in this together and yet, yet also separately. I mean, it's all so convoluted and I mean, it really is. Right. And I, you know, I always say that divorce is living, breathing entity. It goes on and on and on. And these boundaries are constantly changing and you are constantly reassessing Mm -hmm. it because at some point Steve could come to you and say, actually, you know what? I'm not okay with this anymore. Right. And you're going to have to have that conversation, right? Because it may, it may become more important to him. Yes. And those are the harder conversations. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I feel like people get hung up on worrying about when those conversations are going to happen or if they're going to happen. And I really just tell people, listen, deal with what you're dealing with right now and create a good relationship now, because then when the harder things happen, you're prepared for them. You're already having an open dialogue. You're already willing to communicate. And so if it, it makes it easier to show that love and respect to that person or to show trust in them when the hard conversations happen, because you're already facilitating that in the regular everyday today stuff. Yeah. I mean, and I'm just like, I don't know what'll happen. I don't know. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, life has shown me that I married a gay man. So. <laughs> oh, right. Oh no. Yeah. I think you're lucky in that you married a gay man who was willing and able to have conversations about it. Yes. And to come to terms with it for himself. Yes. Steve often doesn't give himself enough credit for what he has done in our relationship. He's usually like, well, I'm the one that left. I'm the one that ruined like what you had planned in your life. He takes on a lot of that Mm -hmm. and partially because of how he left, like he did have an affair and all those things. But I'm like, Steve, you have got to remember that you still showed up for me. You still were honest with me. You did all these things. I chose to stay in a marriage where I knew I was married to a man who was gay. I chose to have a kid with you. Like, you can't take that on as your responsibility. These are my actions. And I feel like that's one thing that's helped both of us is we are both very, we take ownership of our part in things. We take ownership of these were my choices. It got me here. And I can't, I have to acknowledge that. I can't just blame him for everything because this was my, these were my choices too. It wasn't just his his decision to leave. I made choices that got us here as well. Yeah. And I want to, I want to highlight that because I think that for a lot of people listening, this is a really important distinction. And this is something I talk about in my work. I work on with my clients and personal responsibility. 
there is more freedom in personal responsibility, right? Because it would be really, it would be quote easy for you to say, yeah, you're right, Steve, it was your fault. And you did. And if you didn't take any responsibility for the fact that like, (laughs) in your case, what I love about your case is that it's a, it's, it's a little black and white, right? (laughs) Like it's a little black and white in that, like he's gay, right? It would be very easy for you to be like, you're gay. You married me. You had an affair. You right, like all of those things. Like you could take that stance. I could. You could. Mm-hmm. It would serve literally no one. Yeah. Right. Literally yeah, no one. And so what I mean by black and white is that like not a lot of people would blame you if that was yeah the stance that you took. Mm-hmm. Right. People would be like, yeah. But it does. But ultimately, the bigger picture, the thing that's more empowering to you is to be able to look at this and go. I made these choices. I saw this. I chose this. I continued to choose it even after I had the info, right? Yes. To, because then you get to look at yourself and say, where else do I make these choices? How else mm-hmm. is this played? Because it's often the same mechanism that plays out in our lives, right? And various. Yeah. And it's just so much more empowering for you to take that responsibility. And it's so much better for your relationship because then you get to like, actually, like you say, like be loving towards him. Yeah. No, there is so much power that comes from owning your actions and just taking that on of, it's exactly what you said. Like, then you can control the rest of your life. Instead of feeling like everything's happening to you, right. you get to figure out, no, this didn't happen to me. I, I got myself here and yep. now I'm going to take ownership of how I continue forward. Because yep. that was really hard for me when we were getting divorced was, I've only seen this one version of divorce or heard about this one version of divorce of you can't get along and you have to like have pickups and drop-offs and public places and all of these things. And I, that was where my issue came in is I was like, I cannot have this. I am not going to live this life. I don't want my daughter to feel awkward at her wedding. I don't want her to feel weird at graduation. I want her to enjoy her family and all of these special moments that get ruined because two parents can't get along. And so that's really where I was like, okay, I have control of this. I had control before. I made the decisions that got me here. Now I can control and create this vision of what my divorce will look like. Yeah. And that's so gorgeous. And because what you're modeling to your daughter, right? It's just, it's so loving. It's so, so, so loving. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And so you're, you're, your husband now, yeah. do they get along? Are they friends? Are they like, yes. is it like, and is he like fully embraced this whole dynamic and everything? I mean, you kind of have to, right? Like anyone who. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't really work unless, I mean, at least our dynamic does not really work unless I have Matt, my husband on board. Right. And I think there was a lot of situations that he, and he's, he says this, you know, I had to get uncomfortable and let myself be uncomfortable and try out this situation before I made the judgment. So like the first Mother's Day we were together, we had his family and my family together, and then we invited Steve. And Matt's like, why is Steve coming? Like, is this necessary? And he was super nice about it. He didn't like say anything mean. It was just there of like, okay, why is this necessary? How do I feel? And his mom told him, you're not going to really know how you feel until you've embraced the situation, tried it, and then go talk to Jessica about it. If you didn't, if you couldn't handle it, tell her she's going to be okay with that. And that's what I've always left on the table too. 
If you are not okay with this situation, if you do not want him involved in this, this, and this, just tell me, like, just be honest with me and let me know. But at this point, I mean, Steve was over here last night hanging out at our pool with Penny. He had Penny last night. He's like, Hey, can we come over and swim? Like come over. He had food delivered to our house. Like we just, at this point, he's just part of our family and he and Matt get along famously. They take our daughters out on double dates. If Steve is not with his family for a holiday, which he usually only goes home for holidays if he has Penny with him. So the holidays we have Penny, he is almost always with us so that he's not on his own. And that's what Matt said. He's like, ultimately, I just kept thinking about where would Steve be if he wasn't with us? Like, who is he with? And he's like, I know he has friends and whatever, but he doesn't have that family connection if he's not with us for those holidays. And he's like, and I, I don't want him to be alone. I want him to have that connection and be a part of our family. And so it's been amazing. And honestly, one of the most humbling, beautiful things that I see in my life and mm-hmm. brings me to tears every time I think about it. <laughs> Gets me all choked up. Yeah. I mean, it's so beautiful. It's, I mean, it's really beautiful. And again, I want to highlight that it was a process to get there, right? That like, it takes communication and it takes, right? It's not like, turn the page, (laughs) right? And like, now now here we are. There's an entire book that takes you from here to here. I'm so curious about the church piece of this. And I, because I know, I work with a lot of clients and who are either former LDS or I have clients who are Orthodox and mm-hmm. clients who are who are Muslim, right? And this and divorce is like there's so many other layers that you know, and I think that all of these religions have one thing in common. They have many things in common, to be honest. But what the one thing they have in common is a very patriarchal structure. Yeah. And when you're trying to decide whether to stay or go, or whether you're getting when you're getting divorced, a lot of my, the women that I work with who are from these strong religious backgrounds, they actually get shunned culturally from either from the church very specifically, or just from their their very insular cultures, like their insular community. And I'm just curious if you dealt with that and how you navigated it and what you might say to people who are kind of, who are in that situation. So I have very strong thoughts about this. Great. (laughs) I did not experience it. And I think part of why I did not experience it is because I did not care what anybody else thinks. Like I, I did not care what they thought at the time. I was doing and always have done what felt right for me and what was going to benefit my well-being and my husband's well-being, my now ex-husband and my daughter. And that was for us to not be together anymore. And people can shun me for that. They can talk crap about our relationship, whatever. What ultimately matters is how I feel about it and how I feel about myself. And I truly believe that clergy and yes, that it's typically men that are in those positions and they are human and they have said some stupid things. Like it breaks my heart to hear some of the things that have been told people by supposed leaders in churches, not just our own, but in general. Yeah. It's horrible. And I I believe that we were not sent here. A loving God did not send us here to feel shame or extreme guilt. A little bit of guilt is fine because that keeps us 
going. It keeps us checking ourselves and self-aware. But but that extreme, when it, it turns to shame and those things, that was not the intention. We were never meant to come and feel shame. I also feel, along with that, that it, it has been handed down from clergy. There are things said, and that is real. And I want women to know that you have that right to make those decisions for yourself. Like that people are wrong. Like people, just because there's an authority figure doesn't mean that they are right. Doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that they are in control. It means that you need to trust how you feel and what is real to you and own that. Like trust yourself. I believe that you are given the knowledge and insight you need to live the life that's best for you and to find peace and happiness and joy, however that looks for you even if it does not align with what your leader is telling you because they are not they're not always right they're men they're they're real they're they're <laughs> human i also believe that often we project well we take on those things for ourselves that are not really there hmm. i think sometimes we take some little statement that was made or something that we have been told for years and we make it so personal to us that we aren't willing to see that people are actually loving and accepting and instead we're seeing mm. what we think what we think they're thinking about this or what we think they're projecting onto us or or well they must think this because because this happened and and i don't think that's true a lot of the times i think we are shaming ourselves into something and not necessarily really being shamed from an outside source yeah that's a great that's a great point that we've internalized and and yes. and i will say that the the patriarchy is real right and oh it's so- real it's it's a hundred percent real, and I think that it plays out very very strongly in religious communities. Mm-hmm. And there's ways in which we we internalize it that's not real, right? Yes. That like we can reject it. We actually have the power to reject it, and like you're saying, we actually have the power to change it from the inside. Yeah, which is I think really important. And when when a woman stands up for her own happiness and her own self and her own power. And like you have, like actually doesn't reject everything. Yeah. Doesn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. I think you're right. There's, there's so much more possibility and power for change in that yeah. realm. I mean, you got to consider that these, these people have, they have their own perspectives and their own experiences in life that have led them to where they're at and to their views and opinions. Mm-hmm. Now, those taint how they show up in a religious setting. Like it's true for all of us. We have to check ourselves in what is my experience and what am I bringing to this? That isn't necessarily, it might not be right. There, there could be a different view to this. There could be a different thing that I am not considering or seeing here. Mm -hmm. And I think that often happens with leadership and, and so many women think, well, I'm supposed to be submissive. And I I do not believe that at all. And I do not believe that is the teachings of my church. I believe that is something that was a cultural thing for everybody for a long time that women are submissive. And now we're pulling ourselves out of that, that we need to submit to men, that we need to listen to their, what they say goes. And thank heavens, we have come so far in that of, I'm not a stay at home, like the 1950s housewife that is in a dress when her husband comes home from work and making dinner and all those things. Like you have that choice to be that if you want. And that's amazing. Like there's nothing wrong with that. But right. also, if, if that's if, your choice, if that's your choice, that is beautiful. And I actually love that life. Like that is something I've loved for years. And, but it, it's also not all of who I am, but you have that choice to make that choice of you show up like that or you, or you can show up in a different way. And 
so I think that we've come a long way in being able to choose our voice. And I think women are still, some of us, trying to find that. And I think we're empowering the younger generation to come up and recognize that as women, our voice is just as powerful and just and needs to be heard just as much as men. And I think I see this in my church. It's come a long ways. Like women are realizing this, that the leadership is trying to make that more blatant and aware that we respect women. We want to hear from you. We want you involved. And I think that's getting more equaled out, a more level playing field. That's interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that about the church, about certainly because I do, there is this sort of popular, this sort of mythology about yeah, yeah. the Mormon church that of, and I think, and I think it comes from the mistaking fund, fundamentalism for Mormonism, yes. <laughs> right? Yes. Y'all are not in prairie skirts with those no. like insane hairdos and like fish tie braids, but right. Like, like, I think there is some confusion. Yes. And, and the split of fundamental, the fundamentalists versus you (laughs) happened when the church was becoming more progressive and right. More liberal and allowing women more, more freedoms. Right. And then and and stopping um, polygamy and all of that stuff. And the fundamentalists were like, no, 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 we prefer, we prefer all of that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, so it's interesting to, it's interesting to hear you talk about this from like a more progressive standpoint. I remember Steve and I used to live in Belize and we were on a boat ride one day with this guy and he's telling me, he's like, oh yeah, so you guys are Mormon, huh? And I'm like, yeah, we, we're, we're LDS. And he said to me, oh, so is Steve an elder? And I said, yeah, he's, he's an elder. And he goes, well, that means that you just have to do everything he says, right? And I looked at him and just started laughing. I'm like, are you looking at me? Do I look <laughs> like the type of person, like the type of woman that is going to sit here and let my husband just tell me what to do? Like, no, he doesn't get to tell me what to do. I get to think for myself and show up how I want to show up. Yes, he's my husband and we talk and communicate and support each other. But that does not mean I am going to sit back and let this man have control over everything I do. Like that is not, that is not how I roll. And if that was something that my church believed, I would not be an active member of it. (laughs) Yeah, It's not. Yeah. Interesting. So cool. I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation because I think that there's, I just think there's so many layers to it. And I think, I feel like the theme of this, the theme of this conversation and probably the theme for you in your life is this, is this, this sense of love right? Love for all people, love of self. Like we get to make our own choices. We get to love ourselves enough. And I think that one of the things that, that is so beautiful about you is that you loved Steve enough to allow him to love himself enough to choose to accept himself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I watched him struggle with this for so many years and I just wanted him to love himself. That is really what it came down to is I just wanted him to see the good that was in him because he was focused so much on what he thought was bad and wrong with him. And I just like, I, I wouldn't be married to you if you were such a horrible person. Like you need to start loving and accepting yourself and realizing the good in you. And so I am grateful that I've been a part of that journey with him and that he has been able to see that and to find that for him self. And, and we continue to support each other in that, in living our best lives and loving ourselves for who we are. And it's really been an amazing thing to be a part of. And yeah, 
just amazing. That's so cool. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on and talking about your story and sharing your, your huge love. I wish everyone could see you right now. I'm glad they can't see me because <laughs> I'm podcasting from my bedroom because my son is home. And so I'm in bed in a, in a leopard onesie. Now y'all really want to see me. <laughs> You're rocking Jessica, it. But, yeah. <laughs> but Jessica has like the most beautiful floral mural behind her. I don't even know what's happening there, but it's so beautiful. But there is, you do really radiate that that love. Like I could, you, you can just, oh, thanks. Yeah. Just gorgeous. So thank you. Thanks so much for thank coming. You. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Kate. So happy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the divorce survival guide podcast. If you like what you hear, head on over to Apple podcasts or wherever you listen in and leave me a review. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram at the divorce survival guide. I'll see you next time. And until then, remember, You, my love, deserve to be happy.